Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck to paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. Welcome back. I'm super pumped because today's episode topic is my favorite topic, money. This is also an episode from the Healthy Wealthy Stylist, Shelby Betancourt, where me, her, Jess Taylor, and Jess's fiance, Ash Armato, all come together and we chat about a topic. And it's awesome because if you've listened to these before, I have been putting them out about once a month. Shelby also has them on her podcast. And it's awesome because we all are very different. Um, We're all stylists, some salon owners, some commissioned, some booth renters, and we always dive into topics um, and get a little bit of a different perspective from all of us, which uh, makes for a really awesome conversation where you learn a lot and sometimes we even learn a lot as well. But with this being a money conversation, I wanted to remind you that I have a free mini training that is linked in my Instagram and I will also link it in the show notes. This is important, y'all. We are going to be talking about money a lot from here on out, or at least for the next couple months, um, because again, I've said it before and I'll say it again, money is something that you will have to deal with for the rest of your life. And there are so many people out there who do not know what to do with it. We always think we want more, more, more. We continue to get more, but we don't know what to do with it when we get home. So I've created a mini training that dives into three very important points how to create awareness around where your money is going so you can keep more of it and not just throw it out the window. Number two is how to pinpoint and deal with personal spending triggers, because let's be real, we all have them. And number three is creating a roadmap to get you from where you are now to where you want to be in the future. If you want instant access to this free training, again, you can find the link in my Instagram as you can also find the link as well in um, the show notes to this podcast. So once again, 
This episode is pure gold as always. I absolutely love having conversations with these ladies. Um, Again, you can find these episodes once a month, either here or you can go to the Healthy Wealthy Hairstylist podcast. Um, Highly recommend that one as well, not just for these episodes, but for so much more. Shelby is doing um, some amazing things with really bringing wellness um, into the industry. Like we all are, right? We all want to feel better. We all want a happier, healthier, wealthier life. Um, So please, please enjoy. Welcome to the Happy Healthy Hairstylist Podcast. This is the podcast for the stylist who wants to work their magic behind the chair and make more money, all without sacrificing their health both mentally and physically. I'm your host, Shelby Bancourt. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Happy Healthy Hairstylist Podcast. Today, I am joined with three guests. Um, I'm really excited about this. I have Misty Jane, I have Jess Taylor, and I have Jess's fiance, Ash, here. I'm so excited that she got to join us. Um, So today, we are going to be talking about money, and it's like a really cool and ugly subject all at once. And I know that Misty's probably cringing right now by me saying ugly, but mm-hmm. um, no, she's not. Okay. So um, I love talking about money personally. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that if you have not already subscribed, please subscribe to the, um, the podcast. Also, I don't run ads on this podcast. The thing that I do ask from you is if you find value in this podcast, please share it with a friend. As you know, in the hairdressing world, the best form of of advertisement is word of mouth. So if you find value, you like this podcast, you like the people I bring on, share it with a friend and, you know, let's get this party started. (laughs) (laughs) So um, today we're going to be talking about money. Um, Misty is actually a, a coach for hairstylists, a money coach for hairstylists. So this is like one of her main topics that she talks about. And there are like a lot of misconceptions about money and a lot of things that like people actually don't want to talk about. Um, A lot of our ideas with money can be negative. It can be positive. It can come from like our family, what we are taught around money. But at the end of the day, the way that I see money personally is that the more money you have, the more you can help people. And if you're greedy when you're poor, you're going to be greedy when you're rich. (laughs) And, you know, I compare a lot to like Disney movies because like if the villain is evil when they're rich, when they're poor, they're evil when they're rich. And I kind of like see it like that. Um, I feel like Disney does a really good job with this. So, (laughs) um, Let's open this up to Misty because I know she's like dying to, uh, to say something right now. Well, I find money so interesting because people are so hesitant to talk about it. And it's interesting because it is the one thing in your life that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. And people do not want, like, people don't like to talk about how much they're making. They don't like to talk about how much they're spending. They don't, they just, it's like this taboo thing that is like the secret, but everyone knows that you have to have it to live any kind of life. I mean, even homeless people need money for something like, you know, so I I think that um, the money thing is really interesting and I'm glad that it's starting to become a conversation because I'm seeing it more on Instagram. I'm having more of these conversations with you guys um, because we don't have to, one, we don't have to hide if we're struggling with money. 
We don't have to hide if we're doing great things with money. Like it's almost like we feel guilty, right? Like I feel guilty for making a good amount of money. I feel guilty for spending things on nice things. Like, and, and we don't have to be that way. Um, right. So I'd love to just start with that uh, because if somebody's listening and maybe they feel shame around money or they're just super uncomfortable with money, remember like everybody has a money story of some kind. Um, and I think that we should just start talking about it. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I listened to this one podcast once called um, Bad With Money by Gabby Dunn. I don't know if you've ever listened to it before, but there's one thing that she says on there and she walks around and she asks a bunch of people, um, how many people have you, um, she asked them about like their favorite sex position or how many like bodies they have or something like that. And everybody like right away just rattles off an answer. And then she asked them, how much money do you have in your savings account? And nobody wanted to answer. So like everybody was so, it was so much easier for people to talk about sex than it was for them to talk about money. And I thought that that was interesting. That oh is God. really interesting. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And it's so true because some of those people probably had no savings and they're embarrassed. And some people probably had a huge savings and they're embarrassed, which I really don't understand to be, you know, like, like why not? I guess it comes down to being overly confident or like quote unquote an ego, you know, oh, I have a hundred thousand dollars in my savings account. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, why are we, I why are we think for one thing, I think one thing is like money is like the one numeric metric we have to comparing ourselves to other people yes it's the yeah. one thing that like has like a number that you can you know because people don't want to talk about like their weight you don't want to say like you're, oh yeah no like what like money is the only thing that has a number that you can use to compare yourself to other people and base your success or your lack of success on that that and your credit score and a lot of <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of the first things she asked me when we started dating was what was my credit score. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I wait, I waited, I waited a couple of months. I waited a couple of months, but I was like, so do you have decent credit? Do you have any debt? Because that's like a deal breaker for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's it's interesting because um in relationships, like money is like a huge thing on why people break up or like aren't together. Like even if you enter a relationship and like money is like, you know, solid at the time, what happens when it goes away? That's like a true test on your relationship. Or like you think of how many people actually only date for the money. Like the money like makes people more attractive, makes them more appealing or less appealing. Like if someone doesn't have money, you're like, ah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on like, like, because money has a different meaning to everybody. So yes. for me, like money means like security. Money means like peace. Money means that like, I have to, yeah, like that's what money means to me. So like, you know, whatever my baseline is of like being able to pay my bills and feel like if I take a day off or a week off, I'm not going to stress about it. Like that's what money means to me. And so for other people, I think that people that date for money, like that's like, they like stuff. Material. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that really kind of like depends, you know what I mean? But if I feel like if I have a partner where like all of my baseline needs are basically met and we're like creeping towards like we're always kind of creeping forward rather than creeping back. I'm pretty comfortable. I think for other people, it's just kind of like, what can you 
what can you do for me mm. kind of a thing and then that's when people break up i think it's like when somebody's not giving them enough stuff well at the end of the day money is just getting you towards the feeling that you are looking to have right so like if you know i'm the same like i want freedom i want peace i want to be able to go on vacation i want to be able to take time off i want to be able to be with my family have be in the neighborhood that i want you know like and money is the only way that i can do that um and it's the same if somebody you know wants an extravagant lifestyle like money is the only way that they can do that and it's it's i think a lot of times when we think like if i say i want to be wealthy people automatically think that i want something fancy that that you i can drive you can see it i can wear it you can see that i'm wealthy but look at like look at um, bill gates and look at like they literally walk around looking half homeless you know what i mean they're like the richest people in the world and it's like it's i think that we think that wealth is this is the stereotypical rich quote unquote person and it's really not it's it's really a sense of security and everyone's sense of security is so different i mean i've been on both ends of the that like my dad is pretty like well off you know and like i didn't experience like so much of what he experiences in his lifestyle now and for me i you know and my my mom is the type of person that needs very little um so i feel like because i've lived on both ends of seeing like how happy my mom is like my mom is just she's just easy she wants for nothing she's just like an easy simple person and people she's just like a light to be around people just love to be around her and i think that she'll always be okay because of who she is and not what she feels like she needs you know um so she's a different kind of wealthy <laughs> and you know my 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 dad is definitely making strides in being like more that that way but like money he's had a lot of it and it definitely didn't uh it rules his life yeah it, it, it didn't ever make him like super happy you know what i mean he spends more time with his kids now and he does different things with his family and his life and i think that i see a major difference in in him as a human with things that money couldn't couldn't buy him it's that, internal work yeah 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 but that like also goes back to like i don't know when i think of like money stuff i think a lot about like the relationship we actually it's so funny that this is like the topic i think <laughs> we had a uh coaching call with our life coach together because we had like a little tiff about some money stuff and the narrative and the like stories and the, the all the things that come along with it yeah literally this morning at nine o'clock so i think it's really funny that this is our topic right now so weird <laughs> Thank you, universe. Um, yeah. So anyhow, it's it all goes back to like our relationship with our parents, right? And like the things that happened to us in our childhood, like me, I had, um, you know, I had like a different upbringing from her. So my relationship with money is like, I like to spend it. I like to be giving. I like to, um, you know, I'm, I don't have like a scarcity mindset around money. Like I have more of an abundant, you know, like money comes easily to me kind of mindset. And it does. I make a lot of money, but I also spend a lot of money. Um, I don't have that mindset. <laughs> yeah, so. Whatever is the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even describe it. 
<laughs> but it's like it it's crazy because the way that we both are brought up in our childhood it's it really goes right back to that that core like one through eight upbringing it it's wrapped around like the story that we tell ourselves with money and the way that we were brought up to believe about money and the things the things that happen in our everyday life are directly correlated to it it's so wild and it's like really hard to break out of those like patterns and behaviors and be conscientiously aware enough to of like, another person to yeah and, and yourself like, yeah. to recognize like what's going on and try to like change and be better about those things especially as a couple and you know? figuring out yeah. what you take from each other that's actually good about it like you know what i mean because i don't want to just go over to her side and just be like i'm gonna fucking buy it <laughs> you know what I mean? like i don't want to go i don't want to go i don't want to go completely over to that side and i don't want her to like you know be completely coming over to my side either i really do want to kind of find something where we yeah. both feel where yeah. we both feel like we're not like sacrificing who we are or like what we enjoy. feel yeah or yeah. or feeling or me feeling super uncomfortable yeah, yeah. right yeah right. it's funny because um i posted this meme today um that i saw and it said i focused so hard on trying to avoid inheriting my parents negative traits that i let all these random neutral traits of theirs slip through i realized as i rinse out a ziploc bag and prop it up in inside out <laughs> to dry so i can reuse it at a later date <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I died. I died. Oh my God. It was so funny. My sister DM me and she's like, you know, I do that all the time. And my boyfriend looks at me so weird when I do that. But like, I remember like my grandma would take like the, the paper towels and she would like cut them in half. And then if they were done and they weren't that dirty, she would hang them to dry. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I do that, like at breakfast, if I'm like, oh, I only need a half a paper towel, I'll like cut it in half <laughs> and I'll use just half and I'll leave the other half like on top of the paper roll. <laughs> I love that. You're my yeah. type of chick, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I could like fuck up at the mall and I could like <laughs> Yeah, I think it's about assigning value to certain things too. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe I really don't need a whole paper towel, but yeah. like, you know, like spending money on quality clothes is yeah way to to do things you know what i mean like maybe because you could buy a pair of pants that's a paper towel and just because it's cheap and you want to be stingy and that's not going to be the same as spending money in a different place where it has more value over just you know just throwing napkins into the air like whatever you know and, it, yeah. and when it comes to like your significant others like that's something i talk about with my clients is like you have to sit down and you have to talk about money and you have to talk about what you value because your significant other is going to value something completely different than you do. And you have to find a compromise. Like my husband every day likes to go to 7-Eleven. I don't know what the hell he buys for $6 and 77 cents, but he buys it every day. And he, that's just what he enjoys to do. And there's not a whole lot I can say about it. It's, you know, it's just kind of his thing. And it would be like the same if he told me that I can't, I don't know what I do go out and have a drink. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, so it's, 
it because we do we value things so much differently like i want to buy my lululemon shit you know and he wants yeah. to go to 7-eleven like fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also like okay i think that this is a really good like turnaround like what do you spend money on that is more for like convenience rather mm -hmm. than like you know we we talk about this a lot where it's like um, for instance, like I don't like to leave my house, so I spend more money on things to get delivered to me so I don't have to leave my house. Yeah, you could save money doing that. Yeah, it, I could totally like not pay the delivery fee and all that, but like most of the time I'm just like, you know what, the $10 tip to Jose is worth it. And yeah. you know, the whatever, I, I just don't want to leave my house or I don't have time for this. I would rather spend money so this person can bring me my groceries that that to me like grocery delivery services are like it like i love it i actually just remembered i need to go to Publix after this but <laughs> yeah we'll do that now too but i think it saves us money because if i went to costco i would buy like a kayak and like yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of other shit so i'd be like by um, not I feel possibly like, get still parking I, in the parking lot yeah i feel like by not going to the store i'm not as like you know distracted i could just type in the things that i want and there's no way my finger is going to start typing in like espresso machine like you know what i mean like so i feel like you know even though you pay a little bit you probably save yourself money by yeah by uh that and a cleaning person yeah amen and my cleaning lady is life and even when we were like trying to change our money story we were still paying for a cleaning lady like that was just like the thing um yeah but it's interesting because again you know there's i remember growing up and my mom would get a cleaning lady and we didn't live in a very big house. We lived in a very small house with a roommate. We didn't have a ton of money and she would get a cleaning lady. And I, as a teenager, thought that was ridiculous. Like yeah. we're not rich. Why yeah. would we, why would we, why would she waste this money on somebody to clean our house? You know, and now as an adult, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like as an adult, I'm like, okay, she was trading money for time. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's all it is, you know, by not going to the grocery store, you're trading money for time and, and convenience is a huge, is huge sometimes for me. I don't mind going to the grocery store, you know, it's not far for me. I can do it quickly. Um, now Costco is a whole different situation, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> $50 to bring me Costco. But like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, you know, it's interesting with the cleaning lady. Um, I am going to speak for Josh because I don't think that this has ever happened to me either, but I've never had a cleaning lady. In fact, my mom was a cleaning lady at some point in her life. So now like I started getting a cleaning lady because of the salon where I was like, all right, I know I don't want to be the one who's here on a Sunday, like mopping the floors. First off, I'm really not good at mopping floors. Second off, like it's going to like take away from my happiness and I'm going to feel resent towards everyone else who's not mopping the floors on a Sunday. Like I need to have that mutual thing where I add it into their rent, like into that cost that we're all paying for a cleaning lady. But now that we have a, like we've only had a cleaning lady come to our house once. We lived together for six years and we've only had a cleaning lady come once, but I plan on having her come from now on. But, you know, we've always talked about like wanting it, but it's just like the uncomfortableness where, where we were like, oh, I don't know about someone touching our stuff. And like, what if we're not here and all this, but because I've had a relationship with the same cleaning lady at the salon, I trust her to come into my house. It's just an interesting 
switch for me in my mind where I'm like, I don't normally clean because Josh is like the clean freak. And I feel like that's the key to happiness is living with someone who's slightly more clean than you. (laughs) Um, So it's really like, I don't mind paying for the cleanly because I know it's helping him with his time because he doesn't have to like focus on, you know, mopping our floors or whatever, like scrubbing the toilet. Um, But it, it was weird the first time she was here because we were like, oh, I want this, but this is like, she's touching our stuff. Is it okay? Are we in her way? Like, are we bothering her? But the time wise, she was here for three hours and then my house smelled so good. I'm like, wow, this is so nice. Like, so I get it. It is like, it's something that I require in my business, but I'm like learning to love it my home life. Um, it's just an adjustment for me. So I feel like if you don't have a cleaning lady, you should get one. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a lesson too. And just like trying stuff, you know what I mean? Like try it. You might like it. And if you don't, you you just don't have to do it again. You know what I mean? So like, it was hard for me too, to have somebody come here because I'm like, I like to clean my own stuff and you know, I feel like I'm the only person that's going to do it a certain way. And I like, now I realize that that's not true. Uh, Tito's a much better cleaner than I am and he's so and shout he's, out to Tito yeah and I love him like I love him like I don't ever want to not see him I just like his personality too so I just like having him around but like you know it's it's it was something that I was like super reluctant to and then we tried it and it it makes me like you said like it makes you feel less resentful so you're building it into their like into your cost and whatever and doing it at the salon and stuff. And it makes me less resentful at home and it makes me a better person at work because I didn't feel like I like busted my ass all weekend. And then we got into a fight about cleaning the floors and now I'm going to work and I'm bringing it there. And so I feel like by spending that money for my peace and for my time and for my rest, then I'm able to make more money because I'm being a better person while I'm at work. Yes. Yeah. So bringing it back to hairstylists and money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That was a good like turnaround. I love yes. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, let's think- talk about that a little bit with hairstylists and money. Let's talk about like, like charging. Cause I think that Ooh. I know who I work with, she's just recently upping her price a ton and um, she was really nervous and she sent out the email she, you know, put it out there online and she, she got one nasty text message and a cancellation. Wait, wait, and, what's a ton? Um, so she was like 60 an hour and she yeah. went up to a hundred an hour. Okay. So she did a big jump. Yeah. So, um, but everyone else is telling her, congratulations, you deserve it. You're worth it. You know? And, and it's, again, it goes back to like this story in our head that we're not worth the money or, or it's too much, we're asking too much of people, you know, or whatever. And it's like, well, no, like, I mean, you haven't done a price raise in years. Like it's time, you know? And, and then when people praise you for it, it's like, okay, like, again, it's all up here. It's funny with price raises, we're always like, we get afraid of doing them because we're afraid of like two or three clients who we know might complain, not the majority. Cause like the majority are like, all right, whatever. Like, and some of them who aren't okay with it, they're just silent about it. They either find someone else or they don't say anything and they just deal with the change. Um, but it's interesting that we all go through the 
should I do this? Is this too much? Is this person going to care? What are they going to say? And all of that. Um, Jess, I'm actually interested in hearing what you have to say about price raises because you have a team, like a staff and all of that. Do you control their prices? Um, okay. So we don't do like an hourly. Um, we have like an add-on service menu. So I it's a little bit different the way that I structure it with them because I like to have them have the ability to build on their ticket, you know, like with their meeting their clients needs, you know, obviously. Um, and, you know, have them not be like at a fixed price. So that way, like if they have, because we do a lot of goal setting and reverse engineering. So if they have like a specific goal for the day, you know, they're able to figure out what's in their book and make up the difference with like add-ons on their tickets. But the starting prices are like, the starting prices are what they are until they're busy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're, the starting prices are, I I feel like are pretty average for Long Island as far as starting prices go. Um, But obviously all the girls are so good. They're so So essentially as the demand goes up, yeah, as the demand goes up. So Jess's rule of thumb is usually like 80% booked for about a month out, your prices have to go up. Yeah. So like, and that's just like a supply and demand thing, you know? So it's like, if you're charging super cheap and you're getting a bunch of people in the door and you're all booked <laughs> up, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to feel like you're not making a ton of money. So how do we like adjust. adjust raise those prices a little bit you maybe you'll maybe you'll lose a couple people for a minute but you'll stay at the same uh makings and the people you gain will be on a different pay scale and you'll keep moving forward yeah so essentially like um my girls start off you know at the beginning when their assistants like uh, the pay scale is a little bit different, you know, like the more money they make, the more percentage they make on commission. Yeah. Um, but I always back them up with like a day rate, you yeah. know, so no matter what they're guaranteed to make, yeah. you know, something. And and we try to like incentivize them like, cause you know, everybody, like even me, I've been doing this for 12 years now. And like, even me, like I was listening to in on your guys's, um, what was that? Uh, Investment or sacrifice? sacrifice? No, no. When you guys were doing the class with uh, Elizabeth, I was in the kitchen oh. listening to that. I was listening to that lady. Um, she was like <laughs> one of the financial people and she was talking about like, um, like if you're not actively building, you're actively you're losing. losing. And how like when you've reached the top of your plateau, like sometimes you don't even know that you've been there until you're already on your way down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what (laughs) what do you mean i'm going broke (laughs) so i like i i like that like hit me in a weird in a weird way and i was like oh my god i'm getting old in this industry like i better like start like getting like you know what i mean i gotta like hop on the good foot and like trying to even though i'm i have a clientele i can't be actively losing people i still have to always actively be gaining people and actively be raising my prices and um like just kind of like pushed me more to kind of start like raising my prices but also kind of like i so i work from a different perspective of obviously being a stylist and not like owning the salon and like kind of working for myself i work for someone else 
And I kind of like made a deal with her because I feel like I plateaued because I wasn't getting excited by the amount of money that I was making anymore. Yeah. I wanted to go do something else. I actually took the test to be a cop. They called me to go be a a police officer, but I don't really like blood or violence or running. So, um, (laughs) so running. (laughs) Yeah. She paid. Yeah. (laughs) Not for me, but listen, so now, so, um, so I wasn't getting excited. So I was like, listen, like, let's come up with a deal. If I could bring in X amount of dollars a week, can we increase my percentage by this much? So like, you don't feel like you're losing. I feel like I'm winning and I feel like I have something to reach for. So this isn't my constant commission scale. I have to hit this number. I have to get excited to, to like, to, get people in the door to pay so I can reach for this commission. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now we just started doing that with the girls mm-hmm. and it seems to get them more excited about reaching a number every excited. day. Yeah. Because you can either be at this commission scale, which is cool. You like it here. You yeah. can pay your bills here. These are for all you, but like, if you keep hitting this number week after week after week, you're going to get that extra 5%, which is huge. Yeah. Well, and there's something about having a goal. You know, whether it's money or anything in your life, there's something like, I remember being when I was still in a commission salon and I was just kind of, I was making good money, but it was just like you said, it was just plateau. Yeah. And there really wasn't anywhere else to go. And that's when I went out on my own. Cause it was almost like, okay, I'm bored. Like this is, you yeah. know, I'm yeah. Like what now? Um, and I think when it comes to money, it's really important to have a goal, even if it's something as, as small as like a vacation or, you know, anything like that. Like you have to have something to work towards. My husband and I had this conversation yesterday because our big, major big goal was the house that we now live in. And we realized that we've kind of like just been floating. Like we're kind of, you know what I mean? We are kind of like, okay, we got the house and we kind of, really what? yeah, like, so <laughs> it's like, okay, now we need to crack back down and, and get the pool. That we want. Yeah. Like get the next thing. Um, and I think that when it comes to money, it's super important to have some type of goal, something, you know, whether you're starting from the beginning and you just need to save something, whether, you know, you're doing great and you just need to like, like get to a certain point. Like, I think, um, I think it's just important. I have a question for you. So like when, since you're um, a financial coach, like, do you feel like a lot of the times, like as like hairdressers, they feel like they can't. Cause that was always like my thing. And I think I still kind of like have that a little bit, like feeling like you're not going to be able to accomplish certain things that like a career person, like a nine to fiver can do somebody with like that health insurance and that like cute 401k. Like, do you run into a lot of that where people feel like they want to get out because they feel like hair isn't going to be enough? And yes, and that was in my story, that was my limiting belief. I picked the wrong career. I can never have those things because I picked the wrong career. My husband didn't go to college. You know, I, you know, I, you go back to your parents, like, like what our parents were not good with money. Neither one, you know, yes, all the time. That is the number one limiting belief when it comes to money is I'm bad with money, period. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because there's just no, like you were never shown anything, you know, you, again, you think, I mean, if you look online, it shows that a hairstylist makes $24,000 a year. Give me a (laughs) break. Like, 
come on, like, come on, <laughs> like, you know, it's, but it's, yes, it's that mindset that, that, that we can't make that much. We can't like, it's bullshit though. I mean, look, I know stylists that are bringing in $200,000 a year in commission salons. Like we can make as much money as we want to make. Cause again, I mean, money really, and this took me a long time to learn. It really is unlimited. It really is. If I said right now, show me how you can have $500 in your pocket. You can walk around your house, find shit to sell, pull some shit out of like some piggy banks. Like you can find the money. Oh yeah. So I think that that, yes, I run into that a lot. Um, it's the number one issue that people have. And honestly, with my coaching, it's the number one thing that we work on. Yeah. So I have something yeah, crazy that like what I remember dealing with when I was like a lot younger and for anyone out there like listening who's like maybe a little bit on the newer side in the hair business you know there comes a point like in your career especially when you get like really good and really busy where you start to get like resentful and like burn out and i remember like not knowing how to really like deal with that and really like get out of that feeling and like i honestly felt like the only way to get out of that was like switch jobs or switch career like places that i worked or like maybe i'm in the wrong spot or like maybe i need to go out on my own and like and the truth is is you're probably just working for too little money you're yeah. not you don't feel like you're getting you don't feel the reward, reward yeah. you know like and i and i knowing what i know now like looking back at like the little jessica hairdresser yeah. like i wish she would have known that you know and would have been able to feel empowered enough to to like navigate do that. that differently yeah you know because i no. feel like i would have been a lot I mean, I'm happy where I'm at, but like, I feel like I would have been, a, it would have been a lot less like struggle along the way, you know, because I feel like had I known that I could just raise my prices and it would alleviate a lot of resentment, stress, overwhelm, overworked, like, you know, feeling like people were taking advantage of you, victimization shit, like I would be so much better, you know? But I feel like I had to like learn that a different way. Yeah, you had to get beat up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all right, girl. And also like seeing it with my girls, like now that I'm the boss, like I see that with them. And it's it's cool to be able to like explain to them now, like, hey, you need to raise your prices, you know? Like yeah. you're ready and, and empowering them to do that. How do you know when you're at the perfect price range? So here like here here's the backstory for why I'm asking. Like I see stylists, I hear stylists who are booked out eight weeks. They just did a price increase. They didn't really lose people, um, but they're comfortable with what they're making. They know they just did that price range. So they don't want to do another one because they know that another one might, might be like a little bit too far, but they're like, you know what? I'm kind of like good right here. I, I have my boundaries with my work hours. I have my clients who come in. I have that like quote unquote security of knowing that I'm booked out for this amount of time. How would you determine someone to be like, okay, you're at a good price range. If you want to stay like this for another year or whatever, like what's the deciding factor? I think exactly how you described it, mm -hmm. just that feeling. 
yeah just that feeling of feeling like i'm i'm cool with my hours i'm cool with the amount of money i make i can pay my bills i don't feel burnt out i'm gonna chill here for a minute and just enjoy it yeah <laughs> i think exactly that feeling you described is exactly how you know yeah i mean for me like like i just recently went through this with my hair cutting prices so for i don't even know how long the longest time i was like at you know, $55 or something. And I went up, I crazy increase. I went from 55 to a hundred because I was doing these huge balayage and extension projects that were like, you know, a thousand dollars and $600. And like, and then I was like worried because I was running late for a $55 haircut. And it just didn't seem like you know, fair, it didn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like I was doing a disservice to my client because it was such a low price. She, I didn't feel like I was giving them the same level of care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always wanted to feel like that I was spending just as much time on them because they deserve, you know, they deserve it as my client, but I don't want to feel like I'm cheating myself out of like money I left on the table. Right. So it was crazy. Like everyone was like, that's nuts. hundred dollars. It's all I said. It was nuts. <laughs> I was, you, sis, you got a set. <laughs> You're but, so supportive. <laughs> that, that's the thing is, is like, we're a little competitive. She's like, she's a haircutting educator. I'm like the color educator. So like, that's her thing. So like when I raised my prices to that, she was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, for me, it just, well, and also too, I mean, to further her point, like I did, so I do a lot of men's haircutting too. So when I first got into my salon, that was like my niche and like, I picked the wrong one. Like it was <laughs> short hair and like women's short hair and like barbering and all that kind of stuff. So I built up uh, like 50% of my clients are men. Mm -hmm. So like there's weeks, there was one week I did 110 men, just men. Wow. So that was like the week of Christmas, but, but and when we met, I was like, you have to fucking Yeah, you guys. Christmas. Christmas. So I then it's like my worst nightmare. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> for the birds. It's for the birds. So now, yeah, because you go home, you got like hair in your bra and like everything. And then you made two nickels and a quarter. It's a, it's a mess. So, so and I come home and I'm so, like, yeah, yeah like two people today. I did two people today, maybe two <laughs> grand. <laughs> so talk about resentment. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever. So now, so she like she she taught me how to do extensions, and I've been doing some extensions, and I already did color. I do everything else also, but like I said, men was just my thing. So the same thing. I was running behind for these men's haircuts that were super cheap and like taking me a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of like my energy and making me a mess and I was like I can't I, I want to be able to do less people during the day I, I need to be able to make more money I'm working so hard like I'm working so hard and she was coming home and she was definitely working hard but a different type of hard not 
talking to a different person every 30 minutes and not having four people in the salon at a time and having to give attention to all of them. So I raised my men's haircutting prices. And again, some people were pissed. And, <laughs> but that's the whole thing is like, I was banking on losing people. Yes. I was hoping to lose needed people because I needed to make more room in my book for bigger stuff. I needed to make more room in my book for color and for extensions and for that type of stuff, because I want to slowly like get myself more over to doing bigger ticket stuff so that like you know as the older i get like i'm only 32 but like the older i get i don't want to be like breaking my back doing 14 people a day you know what i mean and it's going to take time but i'm going to slowly work myself towards doing more of that because it just seems more sustainable for me long term I think another aspect of when to raise your prices too is if, say you're happy with where you're at, right? You're like booked out eight weeks, you know, you like how much you're making, but your clients are complaining that they can't get in with you. I think sometimes it needs to be raised for that reason as well. Because yeah. You're literally opening up some, hopefully opening up some space to make it easier for them to get in with. Because yes, looking at your book for eight weeks being booked out seems like security, but that does not mean somebody is not going to cancel within 48 hours. Like you, you have just as much chance of having an open book the next week and having it fill in because people are used to being able to do that than you are of having it full for eight weeks. So if you're making so much money and your clients can get in even more, like easier, it's a win for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. The other thing I want to talk about too that I've noticed because I'm on the very, very high end of this area is when you get into that like spectrum where people think that it's like super obnoxious, um, it kind of like, it kind of weeds out the bullshit. You, you get know? the best clients. I get the best. They <laughs> love me oh like, my god and i'm all like, over i'm all over massapequa moms who does the best boys haircuts ashley ashley, ashley. i got <laughs> six moms standing on my mat while i'm cutting their kids hair and i'm like somebody just shoot fucking <laughs> kill me <man." laughs> and like i got you know i got these like these like crazy like and it, it's cool because like the more i dig in like the more I get these people that are like, they're influencers and they're business owners and they're like podcasters. Yeah, she'll be like, yeah, I did some girl from TikTok, TikTok corporate today. You know? And I'm like, that's cool. I did Johnny from lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. And I feel like the higher you raise your prices, the more people aren't surprised when you raise your prices. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You yes. know, which, which is also crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's nuts. So just for context, so I was on, I like, I was on the higher end. I'm not crazy. I don't do extensions. I don't do things like that. Um, I stopped working for 10 months completely. Mm. Started back up one day a week, mm. booked out for three months. I've been work I've worked four Wednesdays. I've worked four days and I'm already raising my prices and I'm raising them $20 an hour because I don't want to be booked out four months. Like that's not the plan. But uh, if you have a good enough clientele, you can raise your prices. You can stop working for a fucking year and you're yeah. still going to have a busy book. And yeah. I think that, I mean, we can talk about money all day long, but what kind of stylist are you? Right? Yes. Like, 
that's the other that's, thing too that's, that's the other thing too so we were talking about we it the other day we were talking about this the other day because she was talking about coaching and she was talking about like you know mindfulness and like crystals man and like you know whatever and all that stuff and i was like no that's cool i'm like that's great like i love that you want to empower people i think that that's dope i feel super empowered by you like i said she taught me a ton of stuff that changed how much money i've been making since we've been together and i totally totally get it i'm like but they still have to not suck like at the end of the day like you can you can give people the juju but they still got to have like the juice to back it up. So teach people the juice. You got to keep teaching people how to balayage. You got to te keep teaching people how to do extensions. You got to teach people how to raise their prices. And then you got to teach them how to act like a boss. Yeah. It's all like, so are you investing in yourself? Are you taking time? Like, don't sit around and complain that you're not making any money, but you're trash. Mm -hmm. The hair you do is trash, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like how, um, your services. Like I, I feel like it's not only just the hair, it's the service that comes with it. So if you're spending like a thousand dollars on your hair, those clients expect a certain type of service. Like you can't like, and that's what can be a little intimidating, like crossing that line. I feel like I'm at that line right now. So I'm speaking from my own experience where I'm like, my salon isn't like, <clears throat> I mean, it's very, uh, colorful. It's very artistic. Like we're not the cleanest there. Like we're, we're sanitary clean, but like, you know, towels get, I, I don't know. I feel like we're all like a little, you know, we're not in a uniform. We're not posh. We're like all artists. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very relaxed there. Um, and my clients love it, but I'm like, there, there is a salon in my building and they charge $350 for a haircut. And I'm like, but they're very posh. They wear Gucci. They obviously don't care about color getting on their clothes. Um, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm more relaxed. I would love to charge $350 for a haircut, but I just, I get that limiting belief of like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not like posh like them. I don't have that atmosphere. So what, like, I'm asking for my own personal experience. Like, what would you say? to the person who feels like me, where it's like, I have the demand, I'm booked out till December, I just did a price increase, I'm happy where I'm at, um, I really like my price range, I could go up because I am in demand and clients can't get in with me, I don't have an appointment till November 27th, I think. Sis, that's amazing. <laughs> no, it, it's great, but I'm like, I'm comfortable, I don't want to also Mm, I don't know. I guess I, I get scared of the clientele that I'm like, I like that fact that my clients are like chill. They're not posh. They're not expecting posh. I really like the, they're very comfortable with me and I'm very comfortable with them. They do spend a lot of money on their hair. Like the average ticket is $500, but how do I get to that? Like, you know, higher than that without feeling like I have to change the atmosphere of my salon. You have to remember that your clients are coming there because they don't want that posh stuffy. Mm. They so want good. that comfortable feeling. So yeah. even if you raise your prices, they're still going to keep coming to you because they don't, it's not about the money for most yeah. people. Like the salon that I was working in before the one I'm in now, it was very influencery. It is a beautiful <sighs> salon. The girls are amazing. I will never, ever, ever talk shit about any of them. They are absolutely wonderful. Not my home. I'm not that type of person. My clients would walk in, they would whisper to me, oh, I, I should have dressed up. That's not what my clients like. 
That's my you know? clients. Yes. Yeah. Like that's not that what, so where I'm at now, it's still a trendy salon, but it's like homier. Like it's more welcoming. Like they feel comfortable coming in, in their workout clothes and they're still getting the exact same service they were getting in the influencer salon, you yeah. know? And so you just have to remember just like niching down, it's, it's, you're pulling in the people that are meant for you. And you obviously, the price isn't even about the price because you're already in demand. You could raise your prices probably $50 tomorrow and you would probably still be booked out till like September, October. You yeah. know what I mean? So I wouldn't even think about that other salon down there because if they wanted to go to that salon, they would probably go there, but they don't. Yeah, but also too, if it's about like you feeling like you want to, like you can do more and not do it that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you could still be what you are and what you feel like the culture of your salon is, but you can elevate that. You know what I mean? You can elevate what you already have. It doesn't have, you don't have to all of a sudden all wear black and wear Gucci, but you can maybe say to yourself, all right, well, like, how can I like add value to the service? Or like, you know, can I talk to my team about keeping things a little bit neater or can we come up with a new way to like welcome people or whatever to like make you feel like now you're going to charge a little bit more. You're feeling a little bit more like not posh, but polished, right? Mm. A more polished version version of what you already are. And you don't feel like you have to change, but at least you feel like you made changes, mm-hmm. you know? So good. I love that. Cause like all of my clients are like, I just love how comfortable this is. Like, I love coming in here. Like I have clients who will like open up the fridge and grab themselves yeah. a drink. Like I fucking love that. I put like glitter on their lattes. Like it's like, there, there are like a lot of things that are like elevated about the experience, but I find myself in comparison where I'm like, oh my God, it's not like quiet in here ever. Like, <laughs> like we play like Spanish music and we yeah. like, like we'll have fun. My clients will be like dancing and it will be like a lot of personalities yeah, all at once. Even, that's the thing. So that add something even more add fun. A put a, put a, put a, a pool table in the middle. Like yeah. be more. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, we don't have room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but like find a way to like, just be more of what you are, to be more playful yeah. in an, in like an elevated mature way find and you know what I mean like even if you just like find a way to put a little bit of like a lounge with a tv and they can process and like hang out on a on a couch and have a coffee and read a magazine and maybe chat someone up you know what I mean like yeah. so like figure out a way that like feels exciting to you like what would excite you if you walked into a business and you're like that's actually fucking dope i'm just like so pumped that they have that here that's so cool you know what i mean yeah. i don't know like an, wow, an orange juice maker like a fresh juice maker i don't know like shit like that like that would get me excited yeah. i used yeah. to love the grocery store squeeze we used to drop we used to drop oh. oranges in there and it would break them up and squeeze them like pool table but it's true though. My old owner um, at one of the salons I used to work at, she used to go get blowouts at other salons. And she would just kind of see like, oh, I really like that they did that. Oh, I really like how they greeted me. Oh, I, you know, and just kind of notice as a customer what she really enjoyed. And then she would just bring it into her salon in her own way. Um, and it's so true though. I mean, because the people are there because they like what you have, you know? Yeah. I love I- that. I, I love that too. I think it, I, I've done that too as like an owner. 
I think it's really important because you get so jaded to like what you do every single day. Like you kind of take it for granted and you do, you forget, like that was one of the big things I loved about being an educator for a brand because I got in other salons and I could see like their culture, the way they operated, like their professionalism. And you can appreciate your own. Yes. I used to walk out of other salons and be able to appreciate where I was so yes. much more sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? You also learn what you don't like. Yes, exactly. And like going into other salons and being a client, you know, like, or even like, I don't even have to go in a salon. Like I remember going to, um, where was it that I was recently? Oh, even just like going to BMW, right? Mm-hmm. You go into BMW, everything's super professional. They know your name. They have the rental car ready. It's perfectly detailed. You know, like everything, there's like a nice waiting room. They have a coffee machine there. Like everything is yes, 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 yes. You know, like I appreciate that. Like, or even the difference between like calling American Express and Visa mm-hmm. or card. You know what I mean? Like when I call my Amex, they're like, whatever you need, you know? When I call Visa, it's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking to some guy in India. You know, like I, I, the differences between like the customer service on like the higher end of the scale, like, and I was listening to a podcast recently, like branding, like your branding is not just about like your beautiful pictures and your, you know, the things that you put out there. It's also about like the things that you, the personal touches that you do differently. And that the give things, people a feeling. Yeah. That give mm-hmm. them that feeling that say, that's the only thing that they can get from you. You know, the service that you offer that you go like above and beyond, like that's also a part of your brand, you know, like how well. Yeah. Comfort is a part of your brand. Ease the, is a part of your brand. Feeling, feeling, you know what I mean? People going in and feeling like they could be themselves, like they could go in the fridge. Mm-hmm. That's a brand. Like yeah. that is having that level of comfort when you go into a business. That's a, that's a brand. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I love start that. Ask, you can also start asking your favorite clients, you know, yeah. what do you love about coming here? Yeah. You know, and I guarantee it's not the hair. No. Yeah. Never the hair. Well, I, I recently switched locations. Um, my, I had, um, I had a partner and we were like roommates in the salon and then we, she opened a salon, like her own storefront and I took over. So I downsized the space and all of my clients are just like, I love this space even more because it's comfortable. It's like roomy, it's homey. Like everyone here is like, you know, everyone gets along and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's cool. Like I, I was really scared about the downsize because we're in a smaller salon, but the energy is good that no one complains. Um, I'm like brainstorm in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I have a balcony. I should make that more like loungy, more like, you know, cool to be in. Cause a lot of clients go out on the balcony and they're like, this is so cool. And I just kind of have like random furniture there. And I'm like, oh, if I make this look nicer and Yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking now I love that, that I don't have to be posh. So if you're like, you know, I love these podcasts because they do teach me something. And that's why I love having you ladies on here. Um, So if you do feel like you're, you know, you don't, you're not in control of, you know, the, Mm, the posh level of your salon, you can elevate it in different ways. You as an individual, as an individual stylist, like maybe I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm going to dress differently. Like I, I feel like I dress like 
I dress good and I do dress like higher than I did when I charged $25 for a haircut. Um, but those are like the little things that I'm thinking in my head right now that like I can do with a price increase. I can dress a little bit differently. I can, you know, have different beverage options, like kind of like spice that up a little bit. Like I have sparkling water. Like maybe I want to have like different, like I have flavors, but I can like get creative with that. Um, I love the juice thing. I've been thinking of having like juices that are for sale in the salon, like have like a, you know, a local place. So there are ways that like, this is another thing you can make more money that aren't, that isn't just your services by selling different things, having like some people have jewelry in their salon, all of that. And that all elevates the experience. Um, wow. I really want to like text my, uh, my staff that's, and be like, balcony. yo guys. <laughs> I think is a great idea. I think yeah. you got to invest yeah. in palm trees and some, I have palm trees out in front of my salon and like outdoor lounge like stuff with pillows and so people instead of like and it's a small salon so they can process outside in the summer and like hang out outside and there's plants out there and there's chairs yeah yeah Yeah, we have things instagrammable nowadays because then it turns into an advertisement for you anyway you know the salon i was at i mean people just wanted to be in there and everyone would take a picture you know and it's like just being in that salon was like the the cool thing and sometimes people just want to be it take a picture on the balcony because the balcony just looks so cool because i saw it on blah blah blah's instagram you know yeah yeah Yeah, i love that i'm like ooh, i know i'm doing after this (laughs) balcony shopping (laughs) (laughs) all right ladies so do you guys have anything that you want to like wrap up as far as money like any like advice that you wish you would have had anything that you want to end this on um, if you're a young stylist, talk to a financial advisor. Ooh, so good. You can't do it alone. I love that. Start, start planning for your retirement and yeah. start putting money away. And, you know, the younger you start, the better off you are. Cause I like, that gives me peace every day that I started when I was 25 mm-hmm. and I started in the industry when I was 20 and it was, you know, so every day that I know that I'm putting away something for when I retire, like takes a lot of stress off of me and takes a lot of stress off of feeling like I have to change careers or that I have to do something different. So talk to a financial advisor and, you know, just be smart with your money. You got a lot of cash in your back pocket, kid. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I would say too, is start talking about money more often, you know, have conversations with your family, with your significant other, with your clients, Um, you know, start really getting clear on why you have the beliefs you have around money. Um, Sometimes really taking a second to look at how you grew up is like an eye opener that you probably don't even think about or never have thought about. Um, So I would say, you know, open up the conversation and get your financial shit together early, like seriously. Like I would be so much further along in my life if I wouldn't have waited until I was 30 years old. (laughs) Mm, So good. Jess? I feel like um, there's a couple of things. So first of all, I feel like that, you know, we all are lacking in, in, in health insurance in this industry. You know, I feel like health insurance is like a big thing. Um, and the thing that I have just recently we signed up for that I feel like is really important is like disability insurance. Something that I took, you know, I took for granted for a long time until my mom got sick and had cancer. It was just like, 
when you have something like disability insurance, it can ensure that like all your bills are met and paid for, you know, if you're not working. And that could be for any reason, you know, like anything could happen. And yeah. like, it's not as, as I just had a coworker break her wrist. Ever, yeah. So. so like it's a hundred dollars a month and it's like not that big a deal. And once you sign up for it, like if you ever change careers, you could transfer it. Like if you become a cop or something, like it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing to have in your back pocket, just as like insurance. Yeah. The other thing that I would say too, when it, my whole financial shit started changing was when I started goal setting, you know, goal setting for me was like huge being able to like, say, this is what I want to make and reverse engineering it. And like, now me doing it for my girls it's changed their lives it's changed my life it's yeah. made me been able to afford things that i thought were never possible yeah. don't just shoot in the dark so yeah it, you know mm -hmm. number out there and work backwards yeah and make it make it crazy make it fun you know like play a game with yourself like it's fun you know get into it and um <laughs> and the last thing would be just to like don't sell yourself short you know people are only going to take you seriously when you take you seriously, mm -hmm. you know? So never, ever like go in confident. Don't ever feel like you can't do something because that's the reason why you can't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. shrink yourself. Sis. Yes. Amen. Amen. These are all so good. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, ladies. This was awesome. <laughs> Ash, we're so happy to have you um, here. We've been wanting to get her onto this podcast with us. So um, you can find all of us on Instagram. I will be linking this into the notes, but Misty is at underscore Misty Jane underscore. Jess is at Jet Hair. No, okay. It's at hairby.justtaylor. <laughs> and Ash is Ash underscore Amato, A R M A T O. Um, it helps if you have a Boston accent to say it. So. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much. And as always, you are what you think you are. Aspire to inspire. And we'll catch you next time. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you hear, screenshot this episode, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane or tag the podcast at Backroom Beauty Talks. And I will talk with you on the next one.